If you've been listening for a while, you know that I didn't choose to be a podcaster as much as I felt like God was inviting me into it. I don't necessarily want my voice going out to tons of people. I don't necessarily want to be vulnerable publicly about things I've gone through. But what I do want to do is be obedient to anything I feel like could be God's invitation. And this podcast is that. But I'm not going to lie. There are plenty of times where I finish an episode and I wrestle with posting it. And I ultimately do out of a step of obedience. But there have been many times where I wondered, what are people going to think about this? Validation is something many of us wrestle with, but it can take many forms. For some people, they want to be the best that they can be, and they want others to acknowledge that. For other people, they don't necessarily want acknowledgement, but they don't want invalidation. They don't want somebody to question their motives or their capacity or their actions. Regardless of how validation hits you, it could very well be that part of the healing you need today is from that need for validation. So I'm glad that Rick is on this episode. Validation wasn't a predetermined theme, but it's where we landed and it ended up being a really important conversation. We also had an unexpected guest who helped drive at some points home in a way we didn't expect. You're listening to episode 73 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just thank you that you are God and you are good. And that is true even when things don't go to plan, when mornings are crazy, you can still work because you're not limited by circumstances. And so we pray that into this conversation that we trust that you are already at work and that you're going to be at work and that you're going to work beyond our conversation. And so we give it to you. We just pray that you would just guide our words. If there's something you want us to spend some time in that we would do so, that we would just trust you in that. Um, and we just pray that you're glorified by everything that's said here, because we want this to be about you. Let's pray in his holy name. Amen. Amen. So Rick, I'm excited to talk to you, especially because as I prayed and as we were just talking about, it's been a crazy morning getting to this point. And I've learned that sometimes the craziest things that try to stop a podcast episode end up leading to some of the best episodes. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're on our way. way to the top, huh? <laughs> yeah. So Rick, you and I don't know each other. This is the uh, first time we're seeing each other's faces. We connected through Podmatch. And there's a lot about what you mentioned just in a few sentences that made me feel like there could be a really great conversation in this. But before we jump in, one thing I've started doing is giving a random prompt for someone to tell about themselves. And I never prepare for this, partly as a challenge to myself. Here's the one you get. You have just been asked by a cereal company to be the mascot on their newest cereal. And on the back of the box, they're going to have an animated picture of you and a short description of who you are. What does the back of your cereal box say about you, Rick? <laughs> well, concerning our day right now, maybe it'd be Captain Crunch or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> well, I'm a cultural historian. I don't know how much of a cartoon character you can make out of that, but you'd call me Captain Cultural Historian, I suppose. <laughs> and I'm also a pastor, theologian, and professor. That's what I do. I like it. 
you could turn anything into a cartoon. So right. somebody is going to listen to this and then they're going to send in a drawing <laughs> of Captain Cultural <laughs> historian. Great. Well, send it to me. I might even use it on my uh, on my work and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rick, when you reached out and we connected, I mentioned that we're in the midst of this season focused on healing. Yeah. And I think out the gate, you know, you, you mentioned a number of areas in which you could tell a story of healing. As we were setting up, what came to my mind was simply just to give you the figurative and literal mic. You know, what is it when you think of these different areas in which you've seen healing? Is there one that really is rising up to the surface in your heart or that when you thought of this conversation, you're like, this is the story I feel like I'm supposed to tell? Yeah, yeah. Every time I think that my healing is finally reaching a, a spot where it's there, I, I suddenly feel that it's not there again. Mm -hmm. I, it's been a long journey. I preached last Sunday on um, John chapter 15 and 16 and, and really boiled it down to uh, Jesus' last words to his disciples was how to find joy in the journey. And what I shared with my audience Sunday was that, you know, you can't spell the word journey without starting out with J-O, and then you end it with Y. There is joy in the journey if we just look for it. And, you know, that's kind of the way my healing has been over the years. I think the thing I've struggled with the most all of my life, and it's because of abandonment issues. I was abandoned by my mother when I was 12 years of age. Uh, there was abuse by my father emotional abuse where I did never really had a connection with him. And many of those relationships were restored, thankfully, over the years, and there was healing there, but I still dealt with just being validated for who I was. You know, I've achieved a lot in life, but I still don't feel validated mm. at times. And, you know, for men in particular, you know, we have to be validated in the work that we do. It, it's just a strange thing, because if, I suppose if you asked other people, they would say, oh, man, you get validated all the time, you know, I mean, look at what you've done and, and achieved. But deep down inside of me, those abandonment issues still percolate. I, I guess I agree with the Apostle Paul on this one. I, I don't think I'll be fully healed until I stand face to face with Jesus in glory. You know, for me, that's when my healing will be complete. And um, one of my best friends in life, uh, let me be candid here. I said best friends. I say best friends because I probably, <laughs> in his vocabulary, we would have been better friends than most. But somebody I knew fairly well was Rich Mullins. Mm. And Rich Mullins, who wrote that wonderful work, Awesome God. Mm. And Rich and I had a number of conversations over the years before he was tragically killed, I think in 1997. It's been so long now. Rich was so real with his faith. And, and he talked about how the journey is just about, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and you just, you just keep moving forward and, and relying and, and falling back on that grace when you fail. And yeah. that's pretty much been my story. Yeah. I love that you hit on that because, you know, I didn't know what you were going to choose. I knew the things I was like, Oh, I, I kind of think this would be good or this would be good. And I was like, I don't want to lead it. And I like that you hit on this validation piece because that resonates with me. And even through these episodes, I've been on a bit of a healing journey that I didn't expect where God's been pressing into pieces. And that's been one of them because there have been many times where I haven't received that validation. Many things that have happened that have made me question whether I was valid, period. And now you named it so well, 
it doesn't actually matter how much external validation I get, there is still this thing that is there. You know, you mentioned part of how that happened. Why is it you feel like no matter how much validation you get, why is it that that doesn't actually quench the thirst, if you will? Well, I, I think it's because we live in this very real world we call the world. <laughs> and the scriptures have been very helpful. You know, uh, Paul, again, he talked a lot about this, about focusing on the eternal rather than what you see around us. If I focused only on what I saw around me, I'd probably be crazy now. I, you know, mm -hmm. just lock me up in a padded cell for the rest of my life. You know, and what I've experienced in life, I, not just parental abandonment, but after a 30-year marriage, my wife literally walked out on me, Wow! you know, refused any type of reconciliation. It was an unwanted divorce. That was a very difficult season for my life. Again, when you're when you're trying to find validation, and that 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 I, I've lost my career. I was a professor for 15 years. I was a professor of, of ministry. I got my doctorate, and I I left the professorate to become an executive director at a local Christian university. And then the Great Recession hit, and other things were at play in that particular situation. Lost my job. I'm 45 years old. I'm now overeducated, overexperienced, and too old. Uh, you know, in the church world, particularly when you turn 40, you start aging out. The, um, the church is very uh, discriminatory when it comes to age, unfortunately. So that validation becomes an issue, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Do you have your, yeah. <laughs> there he is. He wants a snack. I'm going to give him a snack. Okay. <laughs> that might buy us some more time. All right. It was at this point in the conversation that my youngest son burst in and erupted us with cries for sausage and mini muffin. And try as I could, nothing would get him to be content. Rick was willing to postpone the conversation, but I felt this sense that we were supposed to continue talking. And he graciously was patient as I got my youngest settled in my lap. And we continue the conversation. I do a whole session on why kids misbehave. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing a little bit of it here. Um, he's they misbehave because of belonging issues, mm -hmm. uh, which may be part of what's play. But boredom is the big one. You know, they're just yeah. they've the attention span is exhausted. And I think that's where he's at. Yeah. Here's the funny thing. I'm just going to segue this into what we're talking about, because. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day, and it reminds me when you talk about this belonging piece. I was on the front porch. We had a service group that came through, and someone was leading that service group, and our kids were you know, banging on the window while I was trying to talk to this person. And I was like, oh, they just want attention. And she stopped me, and she's like, no, they don't want attention. They want connection. That's right. And it really hit me. I felt bad too. Cause I was like, Oh man, like I should have known that, but it's a subtle thing, but it's so powerful. When we say our kids want attention, sometimes it can come from a place of frustration because we want to do what we want to do. And our kids are interrupting that. Right. But when we say connection, we realize there is this longing within them that they just want connection. And I think in the same way, you know, we're talking about validation it's, it's not even that we want people to say nice words. There's something that we're longing for right. deep within it. That's right, apple juice. Right. There's something that we're longing for <laughs> deep within us. And we have such a hard time getting that met, just like our kids 
will do everything they can, bang on windows, ask for apple juice, because there's this thing that they want that they don't even fully understand. And so run with that. Like when you think of validation and that deeper core need and how we strive to get that, like what does that shake up in your mind? Well, I think going back to what we we're talking about, it's very easy in this world to lose sight of what really validates us. You know, we are stamped with the image of God, the Imago Deo in our life. And yet we often become captivated by the trimmings and the flash and the cash of, of life. And we lose sight of it so quickly that it goes back to the, the philosopher talks about the, the great, you know, God hole that exists in all of us that we try to fill with something. And, you know, you can fill it with a lot of different things. For me, validation used to be, I, when I was a kid, I was writing kind of a book about my life as a kid, which was funny. I didn't have much life in me at that point, but I was writing this book and I, I titled it in high school, pause for applause, because I was a theater guy. I was, I was on the stage a lot and it was great because when I was on the stage, I could be somebody that I wasn't, I could play a part that I wasn't and people would respond. Now I was just, I just learned how to say a line in a way that was funny, or I could say a line in a way that would make somebody cry. Uh, I could create an emotional response and it played very well into as a skill set that I later parlayed into a speaking career, obviously in my messages, uh, I want to create emotion. I want to create laughter. I want to create a tear every now and then. And I think deep down, we're all looking for that, that deeper, you know, connection point to something that's real, you know, something that's something that's deeper than this banal existence that we see around us with our eyes. You know, our eyes are looking at what we see and just go, is this really it? We want something deeper, you know? And I think that's why we have kids. I think there's a part of us that think, you know, well, maybe the answer is, is reproducing ourselves and creating another human being that will love us. You know, I think that's part of it. You know, I want to create a human being that's going to love me. Well, I got news for you, Buttercup. I'll be honest. I have a daughter that does not even speak to me, mm. a grown daughter. And it's been a very difficult journey for me with that relationship. Honestly, I love her and I've done everything I can to to again, uh, stay in relationship with her. But, you know, she was hurt deeply by the divorce for parents. I get that. And she's walking her own journey. She's making her own choices. And honey, if you're listening to this, you know, I love you. And I, I, I want you back in my life. I'd love to have you be part of my life. But the bottom line is, is that I can't deal with other people's choices. All I can do is choose what's best for me. And what, what is best for me is always going to be to follow what I believe God is leading me to do next. And sometimes that's nothing more than just saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, it's allowing the crucifixions of life to happen, knowing that there's going to be a Sunday morning resurrection eventually. It may not happen on this side of the planet, by the way, but we're all guaranteed a Sunday morning resurrection eventually. And the greatest validation that I look for, the greatest validation in life that I think you can have is that that moment when we top eternity and we stand face to face with our maker and he looks into our eyes, maybe we even with a little, I know there's not supposed to be tears in heaven, but maybe there's tears of pride, you know, where God is just proud in you. And I, you know, I just want to top heaven and have God look into my eyes, maybe with a tear, because there'll be tears in my eyes, I'm sure, as I look into his, 
And he'll just say simply, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. That's validation. And that's where I point my life. You know, I care about what people think about me. I'm not saying I don't care. But whether you're a critic or whether you're a raving fan of Rick Cromie means nothing in the end. All that matters in the end is what is whether God's a raving fan. <laughs> you know, I want God's applause, not man's. And, you know, that's that's my story. You know, pausing for applause, I used to pursue. You used to think that the louder the applause, the more, the better of a person I was. Had nothing to do with that. You know, I've made some money in my life. I lived a pretty good life. But I got to tell you, money doesn't validate anything. Having achievement, you know, I've got the highest level of education you can have. It still doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring that validation. Having lots of friends, having great relationships. I mean, even all those things that we can pour our lives into will not validate you. The only thing I have found in this life that validates me for a deeper purpose and a better plan for my life is God. Yeah. You know, and that hits at a few really important things. And I think the first point of growth is basically what you just described is we spend our lives looking for validation in all these different things. And the first point of growth is knowing one that those <laughs> He's singing. He wants connection. He's singing. He wants connection. <laughs> oh, do you want to get your mini muffins? Go get your mini muffins and bring them in. So the first is that point of recognition that those things won't bring ultimately the validation we're looking for. And two, we don't need to look to those things to bring validation. Yeah. So in my own story, that was part of the journey is there were so many ways in which I was being unvalidated. And I felt like the only way to peace is for those people to offer validation. Yeah. And when it didn't seem like they were going to offer that validation, there was no hope. There was no way forward because Surely, if they can't see me accurately, then I can't find peace. And God brought me to a place of basically what you described of saying, whose opinion really matters here, theirs or mine? Yeah. Are you only going to be content if everyone sees you accurately? Because they didn't even see my son accurately, and he knew how to be content. Yeah. They didn't see yeah. the Apostle Paul accurately, and he knew how to be content in all situations. And so then we get to this second point of learning how to trust that God's validation is enough. But you made an interesting point earlier that you might not actually hit what you're looking for until you are in eternity, right. which means that on this end of eternity, we still wrestle with trusting that God's validation is enough. Why is it that we don't trust God's validation of us, that we don't trust how God sees us? Before I handle that question, let me, you know, as you were talking there about validation, I was thinking about the Old Testament prophets. One of the tags that's been put on me over the years is I'm a prophet. I'm a cultural historian. And so I do a lot of cultural analysis and, and prediction as far as where culture's going. I help churches and schools and businesses and other organizations understand just where culture's moving. And so I sometimes get this tag of a prophet, but I got to tell you, it when I start looking at the Old Testament prophets, they were all doomed from the beginning. You know, was it Jeremiah or Isaiah? One of those two that after they got their call to prophesy, uh, they, they were told to go prophesy to rocks. I think it was Jeremiah when he was told, he says, listen, I'm going to give you the, the prophecy and you need to speak it to the people. But guess what? They're not going to listen to you. In fact, they're going to resist you. You know, everything you do is just going to, you know, you might as well go talk to a tree, you know, and I'm going, 
wow. And, and see, this is where, you know, I just wrote a book here a year ago, which I think is probably my best book I've ever written, ever written. But it came out on May 20th of 2020, right at the beginning of the COVID pandemic shutdown. And all my book tours, everything planned. I had a publicist hired, everything planned wow. went down. I watched literally that year, I had probably 20 or 30 speaking dates. Every one of them went away. I watched tens of thousands of dollars literally evaporate. It just went away. And I've never really actually recovered from that. One of the reasons I do podcasts is it's a way of connecting and bringing out this book and getting people interested in looking at this book. But it doesn't matter what I think in the end. In the end, it matters what does God think. But what if your greatest work, your greatest fame, if we're going to, let's use the word fame for a moment, happens after you're dead? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't remember some of the names that came out of Columbine. But if you sat down with some of those girls, for example, and I'm even forgetting their names. That's the sad part about it. A couple of those girls that were involved with the Columbine shootings in 97. If you sat down with them a week before the shooting and said, listen, in the future, someone's going to write songs about you. You're going to be a household name. Books are going to be written about you. You're going to be famous. Who wouldn't get a head trip over that? All right. But, oh. By this time next week, you'll also be killed in a shooting. You know, that's why when, when people ask me, I want to know what God's will for my life is. And I go, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't want to know God's will for your life because God's will for your life might be something that you don't want. Yeah. You know, look at Jonah. He ran from God's will for his life. Ended up having to spend three nights in a belly of a fish, you know. Uh, and even when he did do the work that God asked him to do, he didn't like it. If you read the rest of Jonah, it's an amazing story of a guy who is totally, you know, okay, I'll do it. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. I'll get on the ship, but I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then even when he's doing it, he's still not doing it. That's me. I can resonate. That's, that's what I love about the Bible. You know, the stories in the Bible are about guys that I can relate to. You know, they're not pie in the sky types of stories. They have some, some of them have good endings, but a lot of them don't. Jesus was crucified there was only one of his disciples that even stood at the cross and his mother and a few other women that followed him. I mean, where was everybody else at? I mean, this tens of thousands of people followed him at one point. Now he's down to just a few. That is not a story we want to hear in our success culture. But when it comes to validation, you know, if you can keep that eternal frame that maybe God is doing something bigger uh, I like how Randy Frazee puts it in the story. If you're familiar with the story uh, curriculum that he put out a few years ago, he talks about how we have this story here on earth, and then we have God's story and how God is building a story. And it's his story. It's history. And if we allow his story to become our story, we become part of something even bigger than what we imagined. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that really does hit at this piece of our capacity to trust God, because what we're really seeing here is that we desire healing around these wounds connected to validation, but we attach that healing to our expectations of what it needs to look like, where it needs to lead. And our lives, the voices around us, the culture, the world itself does have these definitions of what is success, what is valid. And then we have God as you mentioned, putting out these foolish plans, putting out these crazy ideas. The wisdom of God is foolishness to man. 
And there's so much that he chooses to invite us into that does not look successful, that does not look valid. In fact, could get you through your life never being recognized for the faith you were trying to live out. And we end up oftentimes being like the Israelites who had an amazing God leading them and guiding them. And then they looked around and they said, everyone else has a king. And they seem like they're actually a little safer because their king is getting their army together. And so we want a king. And God's like, no, you you don't want a king. I am your king. I am enough. They're like, no, we we do. I mean, we love you, but we think you're wrong on this one, God, right? Like they didn't say that, but they basically said that. And we're the same. We would never tell God he's wrong necessarily, but we operate with that mindset that I don't know if God's right on this one, or maybe this isn't actually God because this is going to put me in a bad financial situation, or this is going to make people look down on me, or this is going to make this situation get worse. It's hard for us to trust God's validation when we don't trust his metrics for what is what he wants it to be. And the only way to trust God is to die to all the rest, is to die to security and comfort and reputation. And who wants to willingly do that? We struggle with that even when we want to do that, which thanks be to God who is patient with us and walks us through it. But That's why I agree with you that this is a lifelong journey that we're talking about, because this is what can happen in the church is somebody can go through the process that we talked about earlier, recognizing, okay, your validation doesn't need to come from the world and then say your validation comes from God. And then they can create a Christian platitude of saying, well, just don't worry about what anyone else says. Just believe in God. Just trust that God loves you. Platitudes can't carry you through the hard season. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is, that's part of the problem with bumper sticker theology. If you can put your platitude, as you say, or your principle, you know, God's word was never meant to be a principle. It was, it was meant to be a breathing force into your life to give you hope, to give you peace, to give you life, you know? And I think that's why Jesus came. You know, there's a lot of reasons why he came, obviously, you know, to show us the truth and to show us the way to show us the life. But ultimately, I think he came to show us really how to be better human beings. If you just spend your time modeling how Jesus acted and talked and thought, I mean, it would revolutionize how you operate on Facebook and other places. It's so easy to go to our um, default human mechanism, but we need that divine inside of us. Let me give one example of how that worked out in my own healing for years with my mother, even though she came back into my life in my late, late teen years, and I kind of reconciled with her to a point, there was one thing I said I would, would never do, and that would be to tell her the words, I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, she had abandoned me, she had deeply wounded me and hurt me, and I, I hated her for years, absolute hate. As my Christianity started to take root in my life, I realized, well, I can't really hate my mom like that. That's not what God would call me. But it doesn't mean I have to tell her I love her, mm-hmm. you know? And so I thought that's going to help me in my healing. Well, I was 50 years old when I finally recognized that it wasn't working. You know, I was banging my head against the same issues over and over with my mother. And I went through a step study with us. It was Celebrate Recovery. And I went through this recovery uh, step study and, and we dealt with asking for amends, 
you know, asking to, for people to forgive you and for you to forgive others. And I realized a big part of my story was forgiving my mom. So I called her up on Mother's Day that year and we talked for an hour and a half, but I told her I'd let it off by just saying, mom, I'm going to give you the Mother's Day gift that you've been wanting all your life. And I just want you to know that I love you. Mm. I love you. And by just simply saying those words, I felt a healing wash over me. And our relationship was never the same after that. In fact, about a year and a half later, she passed away. Wow. You know, I was so glad that I took the time. And I, at that wow. moment in life, I don't know if I was, wasn't ready before that point, or maybe because I was just resistant, but you know, that's the journey yeah. and we all are on it. Yeah. Well, and that brings up another interesting piece of this is that so many of us, if not all of us, but so many of us are searching for validation and yet there are moments when it can be hard for us to give that validation to others. And sometimes rightfully so. Like you had legitimate reasons for not wanting to say, I love you to a person who had abandoned you. Right. And God, through different forms and methods and processes, brought you to that place where you recognized there is a value in saying, I love you. And it brought this validation to her that then ended up bringing healing to you. And it makes me think of, ah, man, this, we really do often live in this singular mindset of it's me and God. It's my relationship with God and what God does for me. And God does care for us individually, but also he cares for all of his creation. And there are sometimes things that he invites us to that aren't just for our lives to get better. Right. Sometimes there are things that we experience that are actually for others to experience healing it takes another death to self of having to say, if God is inviting me to show love to someone that doesn't deserve it, that has hurt me, I'm either going to be willing or not willing, but to be willing to do that is going to be a death. But I want to believe that God can work through that. And this is what we see Jesus demonstrate, because if there is anyone that had a right to extend unforgiveness to others... <laughs> It was Jesus as he was being put on the cross because he absolutely did not deserve what they were doing to him. He did not deserve the mocking. He did not deserve the torture. And his response is, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. He basically gave them validation because what he recognized is that whereas any of us in that position would have said, those people are evil and they deserve to die what they are doing what they are doing is wrong they are pure evil villains yeah jesus validated them by actually seeing their identity that they weren't evil villains they don't actually know what they're doing right in fact in a way they're victims to the enemy schemes <laughs> and in extending that validation there's something powerful that happened i think within jesus within those guards within the people watching whether they realize it or not yeah. because God is the only one who actually sees all of us rightly, who actually sees our heart. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And I want to get to a place where I am leaning more on his understanding of someone than my own understanding of someone, because I'm not going to validate people if I'm just on my own understanding, because I will push up against my own self-preservation, my own will, my own sense of justice. But if I'm willing to trust God, God can do the same thing that he did for you and your story with your mother, bring you to a place of saying, I know what I've experienced and what I want. And I also know what I feel like God's inviting me to. And so I'm going to trust that 
even though I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is probably the most freeing part of the process. I have a life word. My life word is simply grace. Mm -hmm. You know, if there was one word that I want to sum up my life, one word that I want to define who I am, it's grace. A lot of times on social media, I will write a response by never push send. I just write it out just for my own therapeutic moment, mm -hmm. but I don't push send. Now, maybe occasionally I might. And then a lot of times I just, this is what I would say to this person, but I just, you know what? Grace, you know, the problem is, is our culture is getting more and more divided. It's to the point now where uh, we're starting to see persecution, literal persecution of people groups. Yeah, and this is where it's going to get really, really interesting in the future. I don't see anything good coming out of a lot of the divisiveness that we have, but we can't, we cannot continue on this path. I will tell you that where we're divided as a country and not have something eventually happen, whether it's a civil war or whether it's a second revolutionary war, something's going to happen and it's not going to be pretty. But in the end, it still comes back to grace. You know, that's our deepest Christian ethic that I run with. You know, even as you're talking, it's reminding me of something you said earlier, and I don't remember how you worded it, but basically you said, all you can do, the best thing you can do is just figure out what God's inviting you into and taking that next step. Yeah. And what you were basically saying is it does not matter how things play out or what people think of it, because that's not the determining factor. It's did I, to the best of my ability, try to seek God. And the reason that's so hard is because that requires a relinquishing of control, yeah. of control of what happened, of what we think should happen. And I think this conversation is a great example because there is a specific way that a podcast conversation is supposed to go. It's supposed to be quiet and uninterrupted. <laughs> and this morning was not that for me. Uh, My son got into one of the modes where he just was not going to be content with whatever I tried to appease him with and ended up literally interrupting the conversation. And my human mindset could rightly say, well, that messed things up, you know, that, that ruined it. But here's all I knew is I had the opportunity about an hour ago to say, you know what, I've got to contact Rick and tell him we got to reschedule. But the sense that I had was that it was supposed to still happen. Did I know how it was going to work out? No, I tried the best plans I could and those failed. But the next step for us is then to say, it's not just what are we able to release to God, but are we able to then release in the midst our understanding and expectation of what's supposed to happen? Because while I might say the best episode is an uninterrupted episode, God might say, no, actually, there are things that I want to use. I want to use your crying child <laughs> spraying Capri Sun all over the counter <laughs> to bring something out. You know, so much of our validation is tied to who we think we are and what we think we've accomplished and who we think other people think we are and what we think they think we've accomplished. Meanwhile, there's a God who may call us to a life that on a worldly level amounts to nothing or worse amounts to people thinking the opposite of you, yeah. thinking that you didn't do what you actually lived to do. And that's something that I've sat with often is the sense of God saying, what if I invited you into a life that there is no visible fruit and no acclaim and people misrepresented you all the way till the day you died? And then you got to heaven and I said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Would that be enough for you? 
And in our most holy moments, we would want to say yes. Like Peter, I will die yeah. for you. I will go to yeah. jail for you. Like we would want to say, yes, that would be enough. Right. But in our day-to-day moments of invalidation, God's love is just not enough for us. Yeah. And yet, fortunately, there is a patient, understanding, gracious God who does just as Jesus did with Peter and continues to love and continues to walk with us and continues to give us opportunities, knowing that we are in process, that we are in recovery, that we are stepping one step at a time forward. And it's just something that we, no matter how much we learn it, we are always going to be continuing to learn it. You know, one of the things I find interesting in my interactions with the younger generations today is there's one word that constantly gets used by the millennials and maybe even by Gen Z as well. And that is the word perfect. Hmm. I go, I go do something at the bank and the young bank teller will say, Oh, perfect. You know, or, or I order something at the restaurant. Perfect. I hear the word perfect all the time come out of the, the younger generation. You know, I, I don't really hear it from older people. So I, I think it's something that just kind of, it's part of the vocabulary of the younger generation and it's not wrong. But I would challenge the idea that everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about walking a tightrope, you're constantly imbalanced. You're, you're going one way or the other. There, if you're perfectly balanced, it's only for just a slight moment. Mm-hmm. But you're constantly either off balance. One, life is about being imbalanced. Mm-hmm. It's about having those sweet spots in the middle where everything is just a, for just a moment. Everything is good. But there's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. There's going to be the worst of days. There's going to be the best of days. There's going to be blessing and there's going to be cursing. There's going to be wonder and there's going to be confusion, you know, in life. I traveled to Africa uh, several years ago. I've been to Africa now five times. And in East Africa, Tanzania in particular, I ran across, you know, the word hakuna matata is a very popular word from the Lion King, means no worries. But in Swahili, when I was in Tanzania, I asked my Tanzania friends more about that word because they had it actually posted in several places, Hakuna Matata. And it was explained to me that Hakuna Matata literally means living totally, wholly in the moment. Mm. You're just experiencing this moment, and it's the smallest slice of time when you think about it, but it's this moment that you don't look back with any regret with any remorse, and you don't look forward with any fear or any anxiety. You just live right now. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we had this conversation today. Mm -hmm. I needed to say some of these things that might not have been said at a different time. This moment was my moment. This moment was your moment, Paul. Mm -hmm. This moment was your son's moment. And, you know, interruptions happen. That's what makes it imperfect. Mm -hmm. This is part of the problem we have with church today. Can I just be honest? (laughs) We try to make church perfect. Yeah, yeah. Church by nature is imperfect. I, I, I went to a church where it was, it was a bunch of goobers. Mm. We were a small town. We, I mean, the lady who played piano, we didn't have a full band. We had a piano, and she hit the notes half the time. I was in junior high when I led worship. Can you imagine a junior high kid leading uh, worship? Voice changing each Sunday. <laughs> oh, I lip-synced. I mean, I actually lip-synced on, on some occasions. But, mm. you know, it didn't matter because in my church— they really believed it was just about people and it was about developing people, maturing them into um, fully mature Christian followers. And it's why I became a pastor mm-hmm. was because I was already a pastor. My church taught me to be a pastor when I was in sixth grade. 
Yeah. I was already pastoring. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Imperfect. <laughs> I think it's it's an important, important, important word that I think we'll have to keep on coming back to because there's so much that demands perfection of us internally and externally. But God is the one who's perfect and he's just inviting us to him, not perfection. Rick, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, but as a way to wrap it up, I've got two questions that I'll ask just back to back and then you can answer them back to back. All right. The first is if anyone wants to access your content, your book, how do they do so? And then the second question is any last words, any final thoughts, anything on your heart that you feel like has to be said before you go? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, again, thank you for the opportunity just to be on your podcast and to share with your audience. And, you know, I hope that some of the words that were said are, are, will resonate with you. You can reach me at uh, rickcromey.com, but manasolutions.org is my faith-based organization. I'd love to come to your church, your Christian school, and do some training for you. I, that's what I do is I train. As far as leaving you with a, a thought, I think it comes back to, you know, we live in a world that's artificially intelligent. You know, we talk about AI all the time. We hear this word fake news. There's a lot of inauthenticity today. I think that the greatest gift that we as human beings can be in the future, right now and in the future, is just simply to be real. Mm. Be who God has created you to be. You're not a cog in the wheel. You're not a highly evolved bundle of dust. You have a purpose. You have a plan. God made you a Mago Deo out of nothing. He created you and you are unique and there's no one else like you. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the one. You're healed, you're clean. Go out, tell the people what you've seen. Revived in him, new life in Matthew 25, verse 21 says this. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Christians throughout history have loved that phrase, Well done, my good and faithful servant. But if we're honest with ourselves, we aren't actually content with the concept. It's not enough for God to be happy with us at the end, because right now we want validation. Right now we want God to tell us that we're doing the right thing. Right now we want others to affirm what we're doing. And honestly, we want validation from ourselves. Sometimes we are our own biggest critic. We are longing for validation. We don't want to wait till the end. This famous phrase actually comes in the midst of a parable about a man who's going on a long journey. And he calls his servants over, he spreads out his property amongst them, and entrusts it to them. He leaves, and one day he comes back and settles his accounts. Two of them have been responsible with the property, and one of them wasn't. And that one says to him, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Pastors and theologians have worked hard to break this down and interpret it. Let's just keep it simple. The fact is, is that each of these servants had an understanding of their master. And that understanding shaped how they responded and what they did. And for the third one, his belief that his master was a hard man led him to respond out of fear. But all three of them had to operate for a long span of time 
without knowing definitively how their master would respond. They may have assumed, they may have hoped, but at the end of the day, they had to just walk in the faithfulness of what they thought they needed to do. And the same is true for us. Try as we might to understand God, he is incomprehensible, which means up until the end, we don't know definitively how God might respond. And the best we can do is strive to know him more fully and then walk in faithfulness with what we've been given. And let's be honest, it's hard. What's interesting is when Rick said that phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant, it reminded me of a story that I shared way back in episode 30. And instead of recreating that story now, I'll just play it. On the day that I mentioned that I was particularly frustrated, I had some some wounds that were surfacing in my mind and I was struggling to focus and I was feeling insecure, I was feeling unwanted, I was feeling neglect, I was feeling so many things that weren't what God wanted me to feel. And they decided to do this exercise where basically they said, one easy way for you to practice hearing the voice of God is to ask a simple question. God, do you love me? And what they said is, you'll hear one of three voices. You'll hear the voice of God, who does love you and will say yes. You'll hear your own voice, which is often filled with doubt. Or you'll hear the voice of the enemy, who will say no. And so they had us practice that. They said, calm your heart, quiet your mind, and just ask, do you love me? And see what God says. And when I did that, I immediately heard, I love you, my good and faithful servant. And when I say I heard it, I didn't hear an audible voice. In fact, it sounded like my own voice. And it happened so quick and so natural that I I immediately tried to just disregard it. That couldn't be the voice of God. But then I realized that happened way too quick for me to have come up with that. And so as I opened myself to the idea that it could possibly be God, it started flooding me. The realization that that is exactly what I needed to hear. There have been so many moments in my life where I have felt like someone was saying I wasn't good enough, that I was doing the wrong thing. And all these things have taken root to the point where I don't feel particularly good or faithful. And there are moments where I've just longed to, for that passage to be true for me, that God would look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so in this moment where I felt very worthless, very broken, when I asked God, do you love me? What I heard was, I love you, my good and faithful servant. Maybe you're longing for validation today. And whether it's validation you want or the desire to not be invalidated, sometimes that can be a burden that's too hard to carry. Here's the good news. God desires healing for you. And because God is God and God is good, we can know two things. One, because God is God, he does not owe us any validation or explanation. He is worthy of all honor and glory without us getting a single thing. But because God is good, He desires to show his love for us. And because he knows our identity, he desires to speak that into us, to encourage us. Sometimes all you need to do is ask. So I want to invite you to ask God how he sees you. Ask God if he loves you. And then listen. And then ask yourself, where did you see God?
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?